you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Of, the mo- of a morning and I typically pray at night, late at night and I've been challenging myself to pray of a morning and sometimes waking up to pray for somebody that's not a morning person can be a little bit difficult but when I begin to thank the Lord I, I try to start off by just thanking the Lord just taking time and just thanking the Lord and I begin to I'm trying to open every morning just thanking the Lord for all of the great things that He's done and the way He's blessed me. And I'm telling you, when you start your morning off thanking God for His blessings and you start recognizing how good He is, it'll give you a different outlook on the entire day. Has the Lord been good to you? Oh, one more time, give Him a hand clap of praise today. He's good all the time. Amen. I'll take your attention today to Genesis chapter 33, and I'm going to read uh, three verses, verses 18 through 20, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit today. I I did tell my wife, I said, um, I was somewhat concerned this morning in my preparation for preaching twice today, plans to preach twice today, and to be in Lebanon, it has a tendency to be a pretty full day, and uh, so I was trying to get most or all of my study and the sermon preparation finished yesterday, so I had a lot on my plate, I was trying to get it done, and I ended this morning, and I said, you know, I did well with everything except one problem, I don't have an ending for my sermon this morning. And she said, well, sounds like a perpetual sermon. I don't know that's going to make any of you happy this morning. We'll see what the Lord has for us. I might just preach till you respond, till God shows up, or until we all get hungry and pass out, one of the two. Genesis chapter 33, verse number 18. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem which is in the land of Canaan. And when he came from Padanaram and pitched his tent before the city, he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father. For a hundred pieces of money. Verse 20. And he erected there an altar. Everybody say he built an altar. He erected there an altar and called it Elohi Israel. Elohi Israel or Israel. By the help of the Lord today, I want to preach a message that the Lord, I I spent, as I mentioned, spent most of the day yesterday in study and and preparation for today. Somewhere around 12 or 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon, the Lord just opened my eyes to a concept in this scripture, and I've read through that passage many times. 
the Lord opened my mind to a concept that I, I want to bring to you today, and, and I, I hope it speaks to you the way that God spoke to me yesterday. By the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach a message titled, An Altar with My Name on It. An Altar with My Name on It. Would you help me pray that the Lord would send the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to touch our hearts and minds this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do need your help today. There's no way possible, God, I can fulfill the task that is set before me in the flesh. I need the unction of your spirit and the quickening of your spirit this morning upon my mind and my hearts and my words. Open our minds to receive what you're wanting to speak, our hearts. God, let every life in this room hear what the Spirit says to the church today. And we thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. One more time, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise and just lift up your voice with that hand clap. And would you just let him know how awesome he is, how wonderful he is, how good he is. We bless you, Lord. You are my King, my Creator, my Father, my God. You have blessed me above measure, and I'm honored to be in your presence today, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. You can be seated today. Amen. In Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, Moses issued a final warning to Israel just before they entered into the promised land. He said, beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Beware lest you forget what God has done for you, unless, except you forget that it was the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt. In Joshua, the fourth chapter, God ordered the children of Israel to build a memorial so that they would, the scripture said, so that they would never forget. So God was into this business of being concerned about the forgetfulness of man. The, the, meaning, the meaning of the of the Hebrew word memorial simply means to remember. It's it's tying the ribbon around the finger. It's, it's, it's anything that would help you to remember, memorial, something to cause us to remember. As I woke early this morning, I woke up with, a, with my phone actually early this morning and after trying to somewhat get my wits about me after the, my phone began ringing, I picked up my computer and began finishing and working uh, on the message that I had for this morning. And I'll be honest, I, I had to force myself to pray this morning. Now, I know you all think less of me because you all wake up speaking in tongues on Sunday morning. I woke up and I had to force myself to pray this morning because, quite honestly, I didn't feel like it. So I had to push myself a little bit. And I caught myself right off the start this morning, starting to say, God, it's Sunday morning. I don't feel so hot and I need you to bless me today and bless the good people that's going to show up at church. I started explaining to God that you got out of bed to come here to receive a fresh word and to, to, to hear from heaven and that, that, Lord, we need you to show up. And in the middle of all of my descriptive terms to the Lord and, and, and talking to him about what I needed him to do, I, I was reminded as I... I walked out of my bedroom, and as I was walking back in on the wall are some pictures of my family, and I looked up, and, and they're not necessarily recent pictures, and it makes you realize how time just flies by. And I looked at the pictures of, 
a much younger family, much younger sons. And, and I, I, I looked and just for a moment I reflected and, and thought about the time, uh, that, that, that space of time in their lives. And I, I was reminded of it. And, and it was a much younger and, and now I'm much older and I looked in the mirror and uh, that dark hair is no longer dark. And that smooth tan face has become a wrinkled gray face. And when I looked over and saw those pictures and realized how blessed I, I am, I picked up my phone. Dylan's preaching in northern Indiana today. Gentry's preaching in Texas today. Spencer's preaching in Lebanon today. And I recognized, just for a moment, I recognized, wow, how many people in this world whose kids are on drugs and spread all over the country doing no telling what would like to have my Sunday morning with all three of their kids involved in ministry. So I stopped and I quit asking God to show up today and I quit asking Him to bless me and I, quit and I just started saying, God, I thank you. I recognize, I thank you. Some, and it was, it was the picture that I looked at that just for a moment caught my attention and caused me to realize because my first thought was, man, I wish my kids were still at that age. And then all of a sudden I recognized, oh no, this is where God has brought you and where God has brought them. And there is a purpose behind everything that he has done. But I realized that those memorials that my wife has hung on the wall, I realized was very important to my thankfulness for where I am today. And I realized my unthankfulness prior to seeing that memorial. And all of that changed my prayer this morning and caused me to just shift in my, in my prayer thoughts and prayer focus this morning. And I began to thank Him for the many benefits of serving Him. And I started thanking Him for all the things that He's done in my life because I, I, there, there were times when I, I could have made some poor choices and bad decisions and gone other directions and done other things. And I began to thank Him because today I'm living in the blessings that I never really deserved. My life, my family, my ministry, this church, my friends, my extended family. I, I just started going down the list and began to thank God and started realizing how blessed I truly am. The Apostle Paul said that he had to stir up his pure mind by way of remembrance, thinking about these things. And hopefully, as I'm preaching this morning, you're beginning to think about the, the way you were blessed and the way God has done incredible things in your life and your family and your home and your personal life and your personal ministry and all that God is doing, given, given man's propensity to forget. It's a little wonder that altars and memorials were listed all through the Old Testament and have played such an important role in biblical history. At the foot of Mount Sinai, Moses built an altar of stones to commemorate God's covenant with Israel in Exodus chapter 12. And then in our text, Jacob built an altar and he named that altar, and I believe it was intentional because what I see in Scripture is that, particularly in dealing with Hebrew, every name had a meaning. And, and everything they did, there were, there were names involved, and there were names changed, and, 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 and there was encounters, and, and everything. So names are very important. And yesterday, in my preparation for this message today, I began to to think about how intentional the name of that altar was. And it, it, I believe it was to help Jacob remember all of the faults and all of the failures of his past. 
and it helped Jacob think about where that he had come from, from the point of his birth all through his life to where he was. It, it was to help Jacob remember everything that God had brought him through and, and kept him from and, and how God had brought him to where we are. Every one of us, can I, can I just digress for a moment to tell you that every one of us need a moment in our life. We need to build memorials in our life that helps us remember where God brought us from. A battle that God brought us through. In my office this morning, you can walk through and you're going to find some things from some of my trips, some of my mission trips, some things that I purchased many years ago on mission trips or things that people have given me. I even have a few things in there like I, I have a, there's a cigarette lighter upstairs with a sermon title and a date on it that was given to me. Brother Kevin, remember giving me a cigarette lighter? Thank you for that cigarette lighter. I've used it many times but not to light a cigarette with. It was the day that God spoke to him through a message that came across the pulpit. And he laid down an addiction that had him held captive. And he put the date on his cigarette lighter and brought it to me. And it lays in my altar as a reminder of why I come to this pulpit on a Sunday morning and tell a congregation, God has the power to deliver you. God has the power to bring you through. God has the power to put your home back together. God has the ability. It's why we do what we do. We need some things to remind us of when we went through the valley and God brought us out. When we went through the storm and God spoke peace in the midst of the storm. I come this morning to tell you that I earned every gray hair in this head, but I come with a testimony that God has kept me. God has brought me through. God has been faithful. So Jacob builds an altar. And he intentionally names that altar, I believe, so that it would help him remember where he had come from and what God had done in his life. If you look over the life of Jacob, you can see that Jacob was a man that was in perpetual motion. From the time he was born, Jacob was always reaching for something that he didn't have. It was as if there was a void in his life. He was reaching, searching for something that he didn't have. His brother, his brother became the focus of that. In fact, the first phase of his life, he was always striving for his brother's stuff. He grabbed his brother's heel because he, he strove with him wanting to be the firstborn. He, he moved from the heel to the birthright and finally connived his brother who was famished from a long and hard day of work instead of being a kind brother and saying, I'll help you because you're in need. Instead, he swindled him out of a birthright that never really belonged to him. It was his brother's. This striving caused Jacob so many struggles in his life until finally he found himself driven out of his mother's home and he left there running from trouble. It was the thing that started with him from the point of birth that carried with him all through his life. He left there in haste. 
and then found himself in love with a woman that he couldn't have. It was a life filled with struggle. After Jacob made a deal with Laban to get what he thought was going to fulfill him, Laban, the girl's father, most of you know this story so well. He worked seven years to marry the woman that he loved. After the wedding and celebration, it turned out that he still didn't get what he was working for. He got the ugly one. I feel bad for him. His father-in-law gave him the wrong daughter. So for another seven years, he worked and he labored for the woman that he loved because there was always a striving in Jacob. He always was trying to get what he didn't have and always thought he was going to find fulfillment in somebody else's things. And he would work for it, he would buy it, he would connive, he would, he would do whatever he had to do to try to get something because he lived in a, in a, in a certain sense of inner turmoil. I know I'm not preaching to anybody this morning, but I, 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 I just feel like that the Holy Ghost sent this word for somebody today. This same cycle continued in every area of Jacob's life. It was in his finances. He was always trying to get, always trying to gain, always, always reaching, always never could get enough, always wanting to have more, always trying to get what belonged to somebody else. He was covetous. He was wanting what his neighbor had, wanting what his brother had, wanting what, 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 what anybody that he came in contact with had. He, he, he was always reaching, always struggling. He, he, but, but yet in all, of his, in all of his doing, it was, it was Laban that did him wrong. It was always, in, in all of his striving, he seemed to never get ahead. As was Jacob's way, he found himself at odds with his father-in-law again. He left with his family and a few belongings and once again left running from trouble. Can I digress one more time today and tell you that running from your issues is never going to bring about the end result that you're looking for? Every time trouble comes, you run from your mother's house. Now you run from your father-in-law's house. You can't run. There's a point that you've got to put your feet on the ground and say, look, I'm not going anywhere. My goodness, I, I feel like I just need to hang here just for a minute and talk to some folks that's always trying to run from a problem. Every time a problem arises in your life, every time a difficulty, instead of trying to work through it, instead of trying to sort through it, instead of trying to pray through it, instead you, you, you choose rather to just say, well, if I have a change of location, everything's going to change. The problem is, is that the problem was not, the pro was not what Jacob thought the problem was. The problem was in Jacob's heart. The problem with leaving is when you get to where you're going, you're going to be there. That went right over some of you. The point is, is when the problem leaves, the problem shows up at the next destination. It's a problem with at home. It's a problem with his siblings. It's a problem with his father-in-law. It's a problem over his wife. It's a problem everywhere he goes. There's a problem. There's a struggle. There's a struggle because the struggle was an internal struggle. So Jacob leaves running. He leaves running from trouble again. 
Jacob's path was leading him back to the place that he had first left. He had made full circle. He ends right back up to the place that he left running from trouble, thinking now, now it's going to be better. I've grown up. Things have changed. Now I'll get back here. Here this striving man finds himself now having to confront the problems of his past. I'm talking to somebody this morning. This striving man now is having to deal with problems from his past. He worked out the best way that he could possibly find to pacify the anger of his brother. And when he had done everything that he could possibly do, Jacob found himself alone. All loneliness is not bad. Sometimes you don't need to be alone, but sometimes you need to get alone. You need to get alone with God. You need to get alone. You need to cut out all the voices, and you need to get alone with God. Here, Jacob gets alone. He is alone in his misery. He is alone in his personal struggle. He is alone without the encouragement of a brother or a sister or a family or a father or a, or, or a father-in-law or, or, or a praying church. He's out here to himself, but there while he was alone. He reached a place that he wanted, that he needed to rest. Most of you this morning know this story like the back of your hand. As I'm walking through, you're nodding head, your head because you're, you're following with me right through the storyline and right through the text. In a, in a second, I hope I'm going to bring something to you that's going to be revolutionary and, and may change the way that you look at this story in the future. But there, while Jacob was alone, he, he went to, to lay his head and to sleep at night. And the Bible said that there he wrestled with a man. Anybody with me this morning? He was alone, but he wrestled with a man. He was alone. But he wrestled with a man. He's by himself, but he's wrestling with a man. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Oh my. And he grabs a hold and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. There is the story and there is the piece of the story that I want to become very clear in your mind. There was a wrestling match. It began, the night began with a wrestling match. And I believe that Jacob's wrestling may have been the man that Jacob wrestled with was not the angel that he grabbed a hold of and said, I won't let you go until you bless me. But I believe there was a wrestling match that started happening with the man that had been striving from the time that he was in his mother's womb began striving with his brother and he wrestled his way through life and struggled his way through life. He wrestled his way through until he finds himself alone in desperation. He had left his mother's house. He had left his father-in-law's house. He had striven for a wife. He had struggled for a blessing. He had looked for everything he gets alone and there begins to wrestle. He wrestles with his mind. He wrestles in his spirit. He wrestles in his heart. He's trying to figure out why am I always wrestling? Why am I always struggling? He tried moving from location to location thinking that location was going to change the situation. But location never changes the situation. Location just moves you from point A. It changes the scenery but it doesn't change the heart of man. It changes what you're looking in the 
the appearance of things, but it doesn't change the struggle you have when you lay your head on the pillow that night and struggle with what's going on in your spirit and in your heart. And there that night, Jacob alone wrestled. He wrestles. Without encouragement, without a helpmate, without anyone to lift him up, there alone he wrestles with a man. Our greatest victory will come when we conquer the man we wrestle when we are alone. Your greatest victory is not when you're on the stage in front of the crowd, but it's when, it, when you conquer the man that you wrestle with when nobody's around, when you're struggling in your own mind, when you're home alone, when you're on the trip by yourself, when everybody else in the house is asleep and you're twisting and turning in the bed because you have a battle going on in your mind and you're wrestling. When you conquer that man, your greatest victory lies ahead. Your victory's not in your next move. Your victory's not in the next thing you gain. Your victory's not in a full bank account. Your victory is not in what you own. Your victory is conquering the man that you're struggling with when you are alone. Who's the man we wrestle with when we're alone? I tell you who I wrestle with when I'm alone. It's the man I see in the mirror every morning. It's the man that I have to hear stand in a pulpit and preach every Sunday and sometimes hear the words that are coming out of my own mouth and having a hard time walking in the victory that the Bible says you can have. Because I think that every promise in the book belongs to you. But sometimes I fail to recognize it belongs to me. I know you can teach a Bible study. I know you can witness to your neighbor. I know you can tell your lost family that they need salvation. I know you can look at somebody else's life and say they need to make some changes. But what about your own life? What about where you stand before God? Do you understand that the same thing that God wants to do for your, for your cousin and your uncle and your aunt and your family and your neighbor, He wants to do in your home too. He wants to bring peace in your life too. He can Came and saved you and he didn't just come to partially save you but he come to save you to the uttermost so Jacob wrestled through the night he grabs hold of the angel and he says I won't let you go until you bless me and he wrestles with the angel all night until the angel finally touched the hollow of his thigh and his hip goes out of joint and he had to walk away with a limp as a reminder of the encounter that he had. Because here's the thing. We make a lot of promises to God when we're struggling. But when we're walking in victory, we forget about the promises we made. I said to somebody early this morning, don't you forget about the promises you made to God when you thought your life was about to end. Don't you forget about the promises you made me when I stood by your bedside and you didn't know if you were going to live. Don't forget. Don't forget about the promises you made. Don't forget about those. Oh, it's easy to say, oh, God, if you'll do this, I'll live for you the rest of my life until he does it. 
God, I'll be faithful to you. I'll serve you. God, if you'll, if you'll bless me, if you bless me with this job, I'll bless your kingdom until you get blessed. Ain't nobody going to help the preacher this morning. Jacob alone wrestles in God sends an angel to him and the angel touches so that when he walks away, he has to walk with a limp. There's a reason that I believe he had to walk away from there with a limp because the Lord said, I don't ever want you to forget that encounter that you had when you struggled with a man when you were alone and when you conquered the man when you were alone because if you get out of here, you'll start telling somebody it was your education. It's because you're so pretty and so popular and so wise and he said, God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to cause you to walk with a limp and you're going to have to explain it to everybody you went to. You see, there was a time when I struggled over everything, when I was striving for everything, but I got alone and I conquered and I came victorious and I walked with a limp, but I'm saved. I walked with a limp, but God rescued me, but God brought me out of the miry clay, but I've got a limp. Wrestling alone, we grapple for the blessings of God. We seek for answers. Wrestling alone is how you really smite the flesh. Your your fasting, your fasting is to weaken the flesh, not to kill it. Telling you the Lord turned on the faucet of revelation to me yesterday. Your fasting is to weaken the flesh, not to kill it. But there's some things in your life you have to destroy. And the only way you're going to do it is to get alone with God and pray the night through until you conquer some of the things that have plagued you from your birth till now. Then often in the midst of wrestling and smiting, you find yourself out of joint, discombobulated. But a determination had taken over. In the past, Jacob was satisfied with dreaming. But this time, this time when he gets a hold of the angel... He gets a death grip on it and says, this time, I am not letting you go until you bless me. Somebody in this room needs to get a hold of what I'm talking about. And our prayer meetings need to move from having to lead you from three minutes to five minute segments and get to a point where you get a hold of God and there is nothing going to stop you. It doesn't matter if we say we're going to take another focus. You're done in your focus and you're not worried about what anything and anybody else is doing, but you've got a hold of the angel and you're declaring, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Pastor, you can go on to service. I'll have to go to a Sunday school class. To keep, from, to keep from interrupting service but I've got a hold of an angel and I'm about to get a breakthrough and I'm about to get a blessing and I'm about to go somewhere in the spirit that I haven't been before. That's where your victory's going to come. That's where you're really going to conquer the battle that you've been plagued with. In the past, he's satisfied with just dreaming. Now he says, I, I've got to have more than just a touch. I've got to have a blessing of permanence. I've got to have a blessing that will last. And then came about an interesting part in this story Because now he's asked, what what is your name? My name, my name is Jacob. You know, all those Hebrew names had meanings. 
He was a hill grabber. My, my name is supplanter. My, my name is rascal. My name is conniver. My, I, 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 I'm Jacob. That's just who I am. That's who, that's who my mama said I was going to be. That's who my dad said I was going to be. I, I, I'm a hill grabber from the time that I was born. I've been a supplanter, a rascal, a conniver. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm Jacob. That's just who I am. I, they, they, I'm just a dreamer. I've had struggles all through my life the process of that altar had brought about a transformation that none of us nor could Jacob have ever seen coming Before that long night of wrestling, Jacob's name painted a graphic picture of who he had been all of his life. But before the day broke, after that long night of wrestling, Jacob's name was changed. And the angel of the Lord sent from heaven said, you you no longer can be defined by your mama, your daddy, your grandpa, what you've done through your whole life. You no longer can be defined by your past. Your name is no longer going to be called Jacob, but now your name is going to be called Israel, for now you have power with God. I'm going to tell you how you get power with God. Your power with God does not happen until you conquer the battle with your past and with your flesh and with what people have said about you and with what the name people have stuck with you. Somebody needs to get a hold of God and declare I'm not letting you go until there is something changes within me that everything I've been plagued with from my childhood and my youth and my young adult years and I brought into now I've got to have a break away from it go ahead Jacob go ahead Jacob wrestle until he puts your joint out of fire and God will change your name to Israel You no longer are the rascal. You no longer are the supplanter. But now you are a prince with prevailing power with God. And all it is is that you got a hold and with determination and said, I am not letting you go until you bless me. What's your name, Jacob? My name is now Israel. This name change was dramatic. This was not just a nifty nickname. But this was a new name. That he walked away from that moment with. To meet a brand new day. This man had constantly been maneuvering for more. He had been conniving to get more and to gain more. He tried to steal happiness, connive happiness. He tried to buy happiness. He tried to steal it from his brother, connive it from his brother, and buy it from his father-in-law. But he couldn't find any satisfaction he couldn't find, he wasn't content. This man who had struggled his whole life to get and to gain and to have more after his encounter at the place called Bethel that after the experience with God 
Bethel means the house of God. And I'm not going to preach all the typology in this this morning. Bethel means the house of God. But after the encounter with God, he walks away and he said, I'm not calling this place the house of God anymore. I'm going to now call it the house of the house of God. He then called it El Bethel. It was no longer Bethel, but then El Bethel. I'm going to tell somebody this morning that I, you know I'm preaching to you. I could come tap you on the shoulder this morning. And, and, and several of you that I'm talking to today, you need to come to this altar and you need to pray and you need to stop saying this is, this is my mama's house, this is my daddy's house, this is my family's historical house, but you need to come get a breakthrough at the altar that you quit saying it is just the house of God, but you need to say it's my house and it is my God, it is my house of God, it is my God that I will serve. Give me just a few more minutes. I won't be a lot longer. Israel is the man that Jacob always wanted to be. But money couldn't buy it. And his wit and manipulation and conniving couldn't get it. And thievery and grabbing his brother's heel wouldn't get the job done. But an encounter alone with God caused Jacob the rascal to become the man that he wanted to be and God wanted him to be. You'll never become the man God wants you to be until you have an in, a, a genuine encounter with God that isn't a prayer running against a clock or to see who's listening or who knows or let me put this on Facebook and Twitter and tell people how much I'm praying. But it's when you get along with God and say, there ain't nobody but me and God out in the middle of this desert, but I'm going to get a breakthrough from God and I'm going to get a name change before I leave here because my past is not going to define me. I have have a future and I'm going to walk in that future and God is going to bless me with a future and you stay there until Jacob becomes Israel until the rascal becomes the man with prevailing power with God. And then and then Jacob who always tried to take what his brother had. Now goes back and he he could not be satisfied with the broken relationship with his brother. And so he went back to his brother and began to offer to his brother gifts as a form of blessing him. Give me just a few more minutes because what I'm about to tell you may change your life. Listen. The man who always tried to rob his brother from his status, rob his brother from his blessing, now is not content until his brother receives a blessing from him. He now is saying, I'm not trying to take from my brother now. I want to be a blessing to my brother. That's what a genuine relationship with God will do for you. That's what a night alone with God will do for you. It'll cause you to stop to stop talking against your brother and your sister, and it'll cause you to start trying to bless them. It'll cause you to try to do more for them. They've never been nice to me. They've never done anything for me. Everything I've gotten, I've never got a compliment from them. I've never got a, a blessing from them. It doesn't matter. You turn around and begin to bless them because you have been with God. And I'm going to tell you what you're going to find. You're going to find your future change because you quit trying to steal and take what never belonged to you because it was theirs to begin with because your time had not yet come. But when your time comes and you get along with God, God, God has a blessing for you that's going to cause you to be able to turn around and God's going to say, now, how are you going to handle it? Now will you bless your brother? Now will you bless them? So the new man Israel blessed.
blesses his brother. And after his brother receives <laughs> receives his blessing, he he goes, he buys some land, and he builds a house in Shelem. And you know those Hebrew names. Shelem means complete. See, Jacob, who was incomplete, always tried to take from his brother and tried to buy his way into it and tried to connive his way to completion. He's seeking everything to find completion, but completion was not found until he got alone with God. After he got alone with God, he went and built a house. He didn't set up a tent. He built a house. He bought land and built a house in a place called Complete. You're never going to be complete bouncing around all over the place trying to take and trying to find and looking for the next opportunity. Somebody needs to get out of the opportunistic idealism and get alone with God and say, God, I'm going to do what I can where I am with what I have. I'm going to be faithful to you over the small things. I'm going to stay right where I am and serve you until you complete me in every way. And God, when you're ready for me, I'm going to start out by blessing my brother. I'm going to start out by being a blessing to somebody right where I am. He was an incomplete man his whole life. But now after he started blessing his brother, he was able to live in a place where he felt complete. But it wasn't until he started blessing his brother that he could live in completion. Israel is now living, formerly Jacob, now Israel is now living in a new place. Jacob is now Israel living with a new name. Jacob is now Israel living with a new mindset. And then in closing, Jacob now Israel says it's time to build an altar. And Israel built a new altar. He didn't just have a new name. He didn't just have a new house. He didn't just have a new mindset. But he said all of these things means I'm going to have to build a new altar. Some of you come through the awakening and God blesses you and does things with you. I'm going to tell you, your next step you need to do is you need to build a new altar. Thank all three of you for supporting what I just said. You need to build a new altar. And if you build an altar, you have the ability to name that altar. And formerly Jacob, now Israel, builds an altar. And at the conclusion of building the altar, he says, i, I got to give a name to this altar. And I don't have the time to break it all down for you. But he starts out by using the phrase, if I said Elohim, all of you would know, would be familiar. That was... That was the name of Jehovah. That was, that was the Lord and Master. That was great God Almighty. But he stops just short. And he stops just before he calls the altar, Elohim. He stops. No. Where I had the first encounter, That was Bethel. I changed the name of that place, the God of the house of Jacob. Or the, the God of the house of God. It's now no longer Bethel. Now it's El Bethel. I, I named that altar after God. But this altar, he says, I'm going to name this altar Elohim. Israel. 
just before he concluded it, just before he closed it, just before he said, I'm going to name it Jehovah God. Instead, he stops and he says, no, my name has been changed to Israel. This isn't God's altar. This is my altar. And formerly Jacob, now Israel builds an altar and he attaches his own name to that altar. And he calls it Elohi Israel, which means the mighty God of Israel. Watch! He was no longer satisfied being born into a great godly heritage, a great godly family. You see, before this, it would have been the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And the Bible's full of it. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The God of your grandfather and the God of your father and the God of why Jacob? Because he's the God of your past. But the new altar, he said, this is going to be called the God of Israel. It's not just the God of my past. But it's the God of where I'm going. It's the God of my future. This altar is not about where I've been, but this altar is about where I'm going. This altar is about my future. This is the God of Israel. This is the God of my new name. This is the God of my new hope. This is the God of my new promise. I know I preached a long time this morning, but I'm opening these altars right now because somebody in this house needs to, don't come for me today. Don't come because you always come. I only want you to come today if what I have preached to you about today has spoken to you and you recognize I've got a new place I'm going to in God. God has taken me on a new journey and I've got to build an altar and I'm going to write my name on it. It's the God of Philip. It's the God of Annette. It's the God of Danny. It's the God of Brother Josh. It's the God of Sister Newcomer. It's the God of Sister Brittany. It's not just my mama's God. Not just my grandpa's God. Not just the God of my past. But he is the God of my future. And I'm building an altar in honor of where God has taken me. I'm building an altar in honor of where God wants me to go to. Come on, build an altar where you are today. Build an altar where you are. Oh, yes. Where you're going is going to require a new altar. The new you will require a new altar. I want a personal encounter. 